So when is that again? February 20th. Is that a Friday? Saturday. Okay. All right. And by the way, if any of you guys scrapbook, we need to talk afterwards. I'm just saying. All right. Wow. Well, I'll judge you a little bit. But <laughs> just kidding. By the way, what's up with the front rows? Do you guys not sit up front? Oh, it's on TV. <laughs> All right. I get that. All right. So how many of you enjoyed the uh, muddy snow we got the other day? Yeah. That's some pretty bad stuff. It was bad in West Valley, but not like it is out here. Magna got it pretty bad, and of course you guys did too. But uh, at least in, Mag or in West Valley, it was kind of white. It wasn't brown like it is out this way. All right. Well, my name is John. I've been here a few times. I am uh, the executive pastor at Life Church in West Valley, which, of course, is the mother church of Life Church Tuella. So I'm so happy to be with you today. Found out yesterday about 1 o'clock that I would be here. So cut me some slack a little bit. What's that? You would have been, huh? Okay. All right, well, we're glad you're here today. Uh, seems like I was going to tell you something else other than about brown snow, but uh, anyway, rain and mud, yes. But we had a, a friend who lives in Magna. She collected it in a mason jar, and there was about that much sludge on the bottom. The rest was water, but that was sludge. I will not be moving to Tuella then. <laughs> Good to know. All right. Well, we're going to jump into uh, today's sermon, and it's called More Than Enough. As you know, we've been in a, a series, and we do the same series in West Valley that you guys do here, and uh, the series is called On Your Mark, and it's taken from the book of Mark. What is the book of Mark known for? A few things. Uh, I think Jesus is in there. Maybe a couple disciples. Anything else? Miracles. All right. Very good. Did you know that book, or the the book of Mark, I should say, is a book of action. Yeah. Okay. Action. So if you look at some of Mark's phrases, you know he uses words like immediately, and uh, you know just things like that 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 denote or kind of or gives the connotation of things happening. All right, well, let's pray that we're going to jump into Mark chapter 6 today. Father, we thank you so much for your goodness to us. God, we pray for your anointing. We pray for your wisdom. God, we pray that you will open our hearts to receive your message today. God, we look to you and we praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. And uh, of course, Pastor Rich from the main campus sends his greeting, and he is our lead pastor at uh, Life Church Utah, and Pastor Forrest, I think he's home in bed, probably, or, you know, maybe on vacation, I don't know, no, I'm just teasing, he just couldn't be here because of a uh, COVID exposure, so that's why Pastor Forrest is not here today. All right, if you have your Bibles, I'm going to be reading a different version than you probably have, this will be taken from the uh, New English Translation, Mark chapter 6, 
verses 30 through 34. Then the apostles gathered around Jesus and told him everything they had done and taught. He said to them, come with me privately to an isolated place and rest a while. For many were coming and going, and there was no time for them to eat. Ever been in a situation or a season in life where it's hard to even find time to sit down and eat? When you're a parent, especially of a newborn, right? Or a toddler, speaking from experience. I mean, I personally didn't have those kids, but my wife did. <laughs> By the way, we do have two boys, a little background. We've been married almost 28 years, and two boys. We've got one who's 20. He's in the Navy, and uh, that's a fun experience. Then we have another one. He's 18, and he just started at Slick, so that's exciting stuff. All right. So they went away by themselves in a boat to some remote place. But many saw them leaving and recognized them. And they hurried on foot from all the towns and arrived there ahead of them. As Jesus came ashore, he saw the large crowd and he had compassion on them because they were like sheep without a shepherd. So he taught them many things. Now, there are two things that I see in this story. The first part is Jesus recognized the need of the people. That included the crowd, plus it also included the disciples. And he responded to them with compassion. Aren't you glad that God responds to us with compassion, with understanding, not judging us like I'm going to judge you guys for scrapbooking? <laughs> All right. I'm teasing, by the way. If you're a guy in your scrapbook, have at it. Now, let me touch on what we want to call a tension of time. You ever experienced tension in your life? You have a relationship tension, job tension, financial tension? Yeah. Well, here I want to talk about the tension of time and the pull that we experience. One action was to pull in to rest and to be built up. Because Jesus said, let's go away. I want to spend some time with you. He wanted to work on inside time. Another action was to push out and minister and bless other people. And we'll call that outside time. So inside time and outside time. This is the tension in our lives, and we can't just focus on our own personal needs all the time. That's kind of narcissistic, selfish. At the same time, the importance of the inner life can't be overlooked in the continual press of the outward life. How many of you feel demands on your time? Does that not happen in Tooele County? Sure it does. But there has to be a balance between the inside and the outside. The idea here, here has been popularized most recently with a concept called soul care. Sounds like a soft term, but soul care. Books have been written to help us remain healthy, and that's great because, I don't know about you, but we need the help, right? We need the inside of us healthy. Soul care refers to the inner life and the need to stay close, first and foremost, to God, our Lord and Savior. Amen? It's all right for you to say amen and talk back to me, as long as you don't get mouthy and mean, okay? 
Jesus recognized this need, and he pulled his disciples away from the crowd. He pulled them to himself. In fact, this is the first part of the call of a disciple, to follow Jesus and to be close to him. How do you know if you're a disciple of Jesus? You're close to him. You spend time with him. You talk with him. You listen to him. You read his word. You pray. You witness about him. Those are just the basics. Mark chapter 3, verse 14 says, He appointed 12 whom he called apostles so that they would be with him and he could send them to preach the inner and the outer, a building up and a going out. From the outset, there is a tension between the inner life and the outward life, being with and going out. Jesus recognized that the need right then was to be together with each other. King David said this of caring for his own soul. He said in Psalm 16, verses 8 and 9, I constantly trust in the Lord because he is at my right hand. I will not be shaken. So my heart rejoices and I'm happy. My life is safe. You want to feel safe? I do. You want to be happy? You've got to be close to Jesus. Being with the Lord leads us to being able to say the same. My heart rejoices. I am happy. My life is safe. Now, this occurred with the disciples in Jesus because the disciples were on the boat for some time with Jesus. So they left one side of the lake and they were being transported by boat to the other side. So I don't know how much time they spent together on the boat, but it probably took quite a while. I've been to the Sea of Galilee, and we've gone from one shore to the other by boat, and it can take a little while. So during that time, Jesus was filling them up. He was speaking to them, encouraging them, teaching them, drawing them close to himself. And we're going to find out why he did that, because guess what? As we've already read, the crowd was already there. All right. I'm lost in my notes here. <laughs> Stick with me. We're going to get it. So being with the Lord leads us to being able to say the same. My heart rejoices. I'm happy. My life is safe. Now, this occurred with the disciples because they were on the boat ride. And it was enough time for the people to walk around the Sea of Galilee to where they were going, as previously stated. Now, make the most of the time you get. Don't overlook this. Don't. Don't glaze over at this moment. Make the most of the time you get. Take advantage of the little moments on the journey where Jesus shows up. It may be that those moments are not lost or unimportant, but rather an investment on the part of Jesus in your life. It could be the car ride home from work. You ever get stuck in your commute? Yeah, what's up with the road here on Main Street? I mean, it's four lanes plus a hammer or a turning lane, but you still can't get anywhere very fast. I feel sorry for you guys that live here when it comes to that road. It's like, hey, let's stack one on top of that <laughs> and have four lanes, or excuse me, eight lanes. But guess what? UDOT did not call me. They didn't ask for my opinion about that, but they've got to do something. 
All right, so it could be the car ride. It could be the minute that uh, your child falls asleep in the car seat. It could be in the bathtub. It could be while you're scrapbooking. <clears throat> or when you're stuck in traffic on Main Street or whatever they call it over here. Don't discount those annoyances. We view them as inconveniences, annoyances. But guess what? We need to embrace them because they really can be God moments because he can speak to us in the quietness of our car. What do we do when we get in to our cars? We flip the radio on, right? Or we make a phone call. Hands-free, of course, right? Yes, I hope so. Be safe. But use those moments because they can be God moments that can propel you forward in your spiritual journey. Make the most of every opportunity, as Paul said. And I think he really meant it. So the second part of our story leads us to the outer life, the public. And here we see that Jesus can turn, I don't know if you're taking notes, but this would be great to write down. Jesus turns the inadequate into the incredible. Jesus turns the inadequate in our lives, the inadequacies in our lives, into the incredible. Mark chapter 6, 35 through 37 says, When it was already, la already late, excuse me, his disciples came to him and said, This is an isolated place, and it's already very late. The insensitive disciples, the smart guys, said, Send them away so that they can go into the surrounding countryside and villages and buy something for themselves to eat. But Jesus, he answered them and said, you give them something. How would you like to be challenged by Jesus like that? Yes, sir. <laughs> I will do that. <laughs> you give them something to eat. But then the disciples were bold enough or dumb enough, mouthy enough to come back and say, should we go and buy bread for 200 silver coins and give it to them? Jesus, don't you know, don't you know how much this is going to cost? To feed over 5,000 people, obviously that would take a lot of money. But Jesus said, you guys need to step up and work it out, make it happen. Jesus could have snapped his fingers and made it happen right there, but he didn't. He partnered with his disciples to partner with the people. Don't forget that. It's God, us, and others. That's the way his economy works. How would, you like to be in the, how would you like to have been in the disciples' shoes? Jesus turns to you after you make a reasonable and valid argument as to what should be done, and he simply dismisses it. He then tells you to step up and do the right thing. In fact, the word used here in the Greek for you is a bit unusual. It is emphatic, meaning you with emphasis. He's like, Guys, do I have your attention? You work it out. You step up. You lead the way. You take a step of faith. And if you don't realize it, he's saying that to us today. Jesus didn't agree with their suggestion, their argument, if you will. And guess what? He rarely gives in to my arguments either. How about you? 
How many of you are winning arguments with God? You coming out on top? Is he seeing it your way? No, not at all. Why do you think that is? We have this much information. We have this much perspective on eternity. And he sees it all. He knows what it's going to take to turn everything out for his glory and for your good. He wants us to trust him. So sometimes we might reason, we might say things like this. God, you realize if I make this move, then there's a significant chance that I might fail. Sometimes God calls you to move to a different town. I have some friends that recently did that. That's a step. Not just a, a step in the natural, but that is a step of faith. Especially if you look at it in the spiritual realm. God may want your influence in a new community to bring about new change. You might also ask, now, am I hearing you correctly, Jesus? Are you sure that this over-the-top generous gift is really what you're telling me to give? Do you really want me to make that faith promise commitment to send missionaries around the world? Say it with me now. Yes. But God, think about my bills. And he says, well, maybe you need to get rid of your cable TV. Oh, sorry, maybe that was just for me. <laughs> By the way, I've already done that. I haven't had cable TV for probably 15 years. We've got antenna TV. Yes. Is that right? What about this? Lord, if I obey the, this biblical principle of yours, if I really follow your word, I can lose my job. Now, aren't I supposed to provide for my family, Lord? So if I really follow your word, again, I may lose my job. Again, it all comes down to trust. You know, a lot of us say, oh, Jesus is my Lord. Really? Sometimes we don't live like that. If he tells us to do something and he's the boss, what do you do? You fall in line and you get her done. And I understand it's not always easy when we are confronted with a reality that looks like potential failure and a stretching that we're not used to. We've had transition at Life Church, as you know, and we have a new lead pastor who's been there about two and a half years. And I'm going to tell you what, I personally have been stretched. He is as different from our former lead pastor as the sun is from the moon. But guess what? This is a new phase for Life Church. This is a new season, and it must be a new season for me too. So I've certainly had the opportunity to get out of my comfort zone. And I think he's saying that to all of us here. You know, guess what, guys? We're going to stretch you a little bit, get you out of your comfort zone. I don't know about you, but I like being comfortable. <laughs> Nothing wrong with that unless it controls my life. And I seek comfort more than trust, right? 
Mark 6, 38 through 41. He said to them, how many loaves do you have? Go and see. Action. Go and see. When they found out, they said five <clears throat> and two fish. They're like, hardly even worth mentioning the fish. Really, it's hardly even worth mentioning the five loaves because they're so insignificant when it comes to the harshness of the reality of the situation they were in. It was overwhelming. There was no way that five loaves and two fish could ever feed those people. I don't know about you, but my sons could have eaten five loaves and two fish by themselves. <laughs> they probably still could. Then he directed them all to sit down in groups on the green grass. So they were reclined in groups of hundreds and fifties. He took the five loaves and the two fish, and looking up to heaven, what did he do? He gave thanks and broke the loaves. That's a great pattern for us when it comes to even eating a meal. Give thanks for his provision. He gave them to his disciples to serve the people, and he divided the two fish among them all. Five loaves of bread and two small fish. Now, there was a vast crowd, and all they had was five loaves and two fish. It's not very much. Extremely inadequate. I can see the disciples working through the scenarios with each other. Peter says to John, okay, let's ourselves eat really quickly, and let's hit the road. Let's get out of here. Let this crowd fend for themselves. But we're going to get our, for our fill, and then we're taking off. Run fast and run far. But I, they didn't do that. They also trusted the Lord in this situation. Have you ever faced something where you were, where you were, or at least you felt inadequate? You felt like, man, I, I don't have what it takes to make this happen. We've all felt that. It's really difficult when you have a season like that. God, I really can't do this. And what does he say? He said the same thing to Paul the Apostle. My grace is sufficient for you. For my strength, my strength, Jesus saying, is made perfect in your weakness. Have you ever felt inadequate? Have you ever been inadequate? Something beyond yourself? Maybe it was parenting, or maybe it is parenting. Starting a new job, or looking for a new job, and you feel like the old dog in a group of puppies. Maybe it's feeling inadequate in a relationship, or a ministry opportunity in the church. Maybe Pastor Forrest or Allison have talked to you and asked you to do something in the church, and you're like, I can't do that. There's no way that I could do that. How many of you can talk? Every hand should be up. <laughs> I'm pretty sure. We all can talk. 
guess what this church could use? Some more greeters. Hey, welcome to Life Church. We're glad you're here. How many of you think you could say those five or six words? All right. Well, if you would like to be a greeter, talk to Pete. I'm putting him on the spot. <laughs> and he'll point you in the right direction. I think Connie is the uh, greeter kingpin, aren't you? So if you're interested in serving in some way, talk to the leadership team and get involved. I don't, was that a good old boy or was that a bad old boy? <laughs> All right. One key that we see here and one thing that is pretty hard to actually do is to give your inadequacy to Jesus. Lord, this is all I've got, but everything I have, I give, you, I give to you. Take it and use it as you will. That's all he wants. In this case, it was the five loaves of bread and two fish. Again, that's not much. But they gave all they had to Jesus. And what did Jesus do with it? What did he do with it first? He broke it. He broke it, took it, and broke it. So don't be surprised when you give your life completely to the Lord that he takes it and breaks it. But why would he break it? Well, let's find out. Your little, he breaks it and makes it even smaller. So these loaves, I don't know how big they were. These puny little fish, they were small already. And what did he do? He made them even smaller. Remember what it all comes down to is trust. When you give to Jesus what isn't enough to begin with, he takes it and does something unexpected. We want him to just poof and make it all better. But he actually does something necessary. And you can't skip this step. He reveals where our trust really is by his work in us. It is revealed through both our victories and our challenges, sometimes even our struggles. So what's not all put together in your life? What are some of the areas that are a bit broken? What is it that he is still refining in you? What is it that he's still working on in you? And what would happen if you really gave it all to Jesus? That's a scary step. What if you really trusted him with every part of your life? Give, your, give him your parenting skills or lack thereof. Give him your expectations of your job. Give him your relationship expectations. Give him your fears, your hopes, your dreams. Give it all and trust him. Because the story doesn't stop here. There's a whole lot more. In Mark chapter 6, 42 through 44, it says, They all ate and were satisfied. And they picked up the broken pieces and they picked up the broken pieces and fish that were left over. Twelve baskets full. Now there were five thousand men who ate the bread. 
He can move us from inadequate to incredible. All because Jesus took what was given, he broke it, and he blessed it. This is a picture that has echoes of the Old Testament found in a couple of different places in the Old Testament. Think about the manna that the people of Israel ate for 40 years that appeared daily on the ground every morning. And this met their daily needs. The provision for two of the prophets, Elijah and Elisha, the ravens that brought them food. It was supernatural. Here, God's people were enjoying the blessing of God through the daily bread given miraculously. They can all see what's happening, perhaps a growing sense of awe as the need is met, and it's met overwhelmingly, abundantly. Jesus is all about taking what is not a lot, the inadequate, and multiplying in abundance so that only he will get the glory. It's beyond our abilities. They all ate. The Bible says they were all satisfied. And guess what? There was an abundance left over. What do you think they did with what was left over? Personally, I've never thought about that. So I got these 12 baskets full of leftover food. Do you think they just left it there to rot? They fed other people. Maybe that same group of people. After seeing that, if I were one of those crowd people, I would not have left. I would have hung around. No doubt, more needs were met. And who knows, maybe those small pieces were broken even more and multiplied again. But notice one very important aspect of the story. Jesus had the disciples participate. A lot of us want to just put it on autopilot spiritually and let God just do the work. He's going to refine me. He's going to make me into who he wants me to be. I'm just going to go to sleep. What was it Rumpelstiltskin that went to sleep for, or whoever it was that went to sleep for years, and then it wasn't Rumpelstiltskin. Rip Van Winkle, thank you very much. <coughs> yeah, one of those R's. Rip Van Winkle. You know, we have the Rip Van Winkle syndrome. We're just going to shut ourselves off, close ourselves down, wake up, and then I'm going to be the person that Jesus wants me to be. How's that work for any of you? Doesn't work for me. He wants to partner with me. He wants to partner with you.
didn't quite have it all figured out. And you find out from church tradition, and you find out later in the book of Galatians, that all the disciples really didn't have it all figured out. Peter was a mess. I mean, he got cleaned up. He was used to spread the gospel. He was the leader of the church in Jerusalem, no doubt. But Paul had to confront him for being a hypocrite in Galatians. So just know, you're still going to be human. I'm still human. Peter, Paul, human. But he works in our humanness. But he doesn't just stop there. He supersedes that with the supernatural. If you will, bow your head and close your eyes for me today. Some of you need to temporarily pull back so that you can be with Jesus and be refreshed and renewed. And it's really okay to admit you're at the end of your own strength. Jesus saw it in his disciples and embraced the time alone. He wants you to be in a position of strength for the care of your soul. The hurts, the pressures, the expectations on you from other people. This could be your moment to make the declaration that you will finally make time to be with Jesus. He is waiting for you with expectancy. Some of you are in a position of needing to move forward by trusting God with a decision. Taking that step of faith moving out and being challenged, being stretched, getting involved where he's calling you to be involved. A moment to give your inadequacy and trust and the ability to trust him with everything. Generosity, your spiritual growth, your development, the blessing of your family and your friends, your coworkers, those things are at stake. Allowing Jesus' hands to bless your life is absolutely the key here. It will take a step of faith, but I promise you it is worth it. Abundance is waiting, and the blessing of God is always incredible. Let him take your inadequacy and turn it into the incredible. Father, I pray that you will speak to our hearts today. Move us, motivate us to action. God, help us to press into you, pull back from things that are distracting us from you and others whom you've prepared for this moment. I pray that you will help them to step forward, move out, and be used of you to bring about change in their sphere of influence. God, anoint them, use them. Encourage those who are struggling. Strengthen those who are weak and weary and tired. God, just meet them at their point of need today. Do the work in all of us that you desire to do. Heads bowed and eyes closed. You're here today and you say, you know, John, I am tired. I am weary, I am worn out, and I need to be refreshed. If that's you, just raise your hand today. I want to pray for you. Yes, so many of you. All right, and then the others. You have known for some time that God has been speaking to you 
that you need to step up and step out. And if that's you, why don't you raise your hand and I want to pray for you. Yes, other hands. All right, Lord, you've seen the hands. God, most importantly, you've seen the hearts. I pray that you will just move us to action. Move us to action. Help us to work on the inside and the outside. Whatever stage we find ourselves in, God, work on our hearts there. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for being here today. We appreciate you coming out. We know that you could have done other things. You could have made uh, mud pies with uh, the stuff that fell from the sky the other day. But you chose to be at Life Church. Your attendance, your participation at Life Church is critical to building the kingdom of God. So don't ever underestimate your importance to God's kingdom. You make a difference. Amen? Amen. God bless you. Thank you all so much. By the way, I'll be back on February 14th, Valentine's Day. Maybe we'll do some scrapbooking, guys. Oh, God bless you. Have a great day. Fourteenth is Sunday.